Hi there, I'm Mariah Parsons, your host of Retention Chronicles. E-commerce brands are starting to shift their strategy to focus on retention and the customer experience. And so we've decided to reach out to top DTC brands and dive deeper into their tactics and challenges. But here's the thing, we love going on tangents. And so with our guests, you'll often find us talking about the latest trends as well as any and all things in the Shopify ecosystem. So go ahead and start that workout or go on that walk and tune in as we chat with the leading minds in the space. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our other episodes at gomalomo.com. Hi everyone, this is the first episode to our special series with our favorite season two moments from 2022. This first episode specifically focuses on our chats with DTC brands, while next week's episode will focus on our ecosystem episodes. I'll give an intro to each snippet, so if you want to listen to the full conversation, you know which episode to queue up. Without further ado, here's season two, episode two with Steve O'Dell, co-founder and CEO of Tenzo, a leading matcha brand. So do you think that's also part of like moving with the times, like for a brand to succeed, you need that, like that connection, that person that you're looking at and like know that is attached to a certain brand? Somewhat. Yeah. There's a balance there. I think it, makes it a lot easier but like i also don't think it's absolutely necessary either you know and like if you think about um let's say like do you guys know liquid iv or like a really big hydration company yes yeah what's up with the smirk brian because yeah yeah the founder i can't like this is the problem with video uh <laughs> yeah the founder loves liquid iv and he um like says he drinks one daily. Yeah. Um, right? Is that what he said? Daily? Yeah, and he I, loves it. Yeah. We also had it at our like offsite. Yeah. I will say though that like for me, uh, I can't prove my own hypothesis, but like Steve Jobs led me to like I always like I was always a big fan of Steve Jobs. Like I got his biography over here and that led me to the yep. brand and then <clears throat> as soon as I just saw like the quality and like just the why behind the brand like that kept me the last 15 years yeah and i i totally agree like your comment there's a lot of truth in that hypothesis and i think that stands but there's a lot of things you need to do you know outside yeah. of product also to make people stick around and that's like you know you need customer service and you need good marketing and education yeah. and you need to stay relevant like a lot of those things Next up, we have episode six with Michelle Paulus, Senior Growth Marketing and Retention Manager at Olipop, a healthy soda brand. Yeah, that's that's really what we're seeing right now. Um, I, I looked um, a couple weeks ago and really did a deep dive in our post-purchase survey where we asked, you know, how did you hear about mm-hmm. us first? And beginning of the year, um, retail was towards the bottom of that list of how people had heard about us. They've heard about us more through, you know, paid ads, social, digital stuff. Um, now in August, it was the number one place people had heard about us. Um, and so wow. that shift, you know, throughout just, you know, the course of this year alone has really changed how people are interacting with Olipop 
you know, initially, um, which I think really, you know, from a D2C perspective might seem like, uh, maybe it's a bad thing. We're going to lose some of our D2C business to retail. But I think with the way Olipop approaches kind of our omni-channel approach to things, I think that's actually a really good thing for our DSC business because it allows people to have easy access to try a can, find their flavor that they like with so many that we have available and then filter in through buying on DSC. So I think kind of it's, I think of retail as kind of like a billboard for our DSC mm-hmm. business and really taking that um, approach to things. And another interesting thing we've learned this year is we've surveyed people who are buying repeatedly um, on drink, drinkolipop.com. And we asked the question, do you also buy in retail? Like, are you actively buying yeah. through us and in retail? Um, and like 58% of people say they're buying in retail and online um, from us. So we know people are shopping in a, a various you know ways. And uh, we kind of as a brand and a business are kind of agnostic to where people are purchasing, which is a totally different perspective for me coming from a strict D to C business and being an open mind to, you know, our goal is really just to reach as many people as possible and be where people are shopping, however they want to shop versus trying to force people kind of down certain funnels. Well, let's hit on that because on the emails um, that uh, Mariah and I received, like once we ordered our Rally Pop, I would say that's that's what came across. It was very educational, um, mm-hmm. especially like, hey, you know, you, the confirmation of the order. Um, and I think the order was shipped. It was all about like, hey, here's why this is good for you. So that's on purpose, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. We really, um, in the last year, have structured our kind of post-purchase journey based on um kind of the first purchase, second purchase, and third purchase in terms of what we really want to communicate and kind of how we trickle that education over time. Um, It's really focused on like the first purchase is kind of defining what is a new kind of soda. That's the goal of that that post-purchase flow. Second purchase, we start to get a little bit more into function, a little bit more about fiber, a little bit more about the microbiome. So it's kind of trickling education without like kind of shoving it in your face right at the beginning. That can be a turnoff for a lot of people, but as you get more invested and Olipop becomes a, a habit, you're drinking it regularly. We want to educate people on, you know, what that's actually meaning for you and, you know, how it can make a difference in your daily life without necessarily starting with that, leading with that. We're leading more with the, you know, it's a new kind of soda rather than it's a sparkling health tonic. On episode nine, we're joined by Tim Swindle and Scott Brown, co-founders of Paddle Smash, the next backyard game where pickleball meets round net. And it's just funny, like without really trying, basically, um, here we're getting like almost all of our sales are from Utah. So there, there has to be this correlation of like, you know, people have bought it in a particular location and now they're playing it. And so then it's just getting picked up by other people who probably have seen it or played it. Um, and then the other thing to your point about like, are people going in the stores, not knowing what it is? That's the beauty of cell phones these days. I mean, we have QR codes on our packaging just in general. Like if I'm at a store and I'm like, Oh, what's this? I can just whip up on my phone and I'll just look it up yeah, and just see what it's all about, you know, and just see like we've got, obviously we're on social media. People can see it being played. 
So that's another just beauty of technology today where, um, you know, even if you're not familiar to it, if people aren't familiar on shelves, they can kind of quickly just look it up when they're standing in front of it and see if it's something they're interested in. Yeah, I I think, you know, it just takes a lot of luck to get something to move. It just uh, it does. I've tried hundreds of times to get products off the ground. Some of them have and some of them haven't, and a lot of it's luck. But I think Tim has a great line, which is just that you're trying to spread out your surface area of luck. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, I like that. we're trying to get product out there and hope that something catch. And it's a little spray and pray, but I think it's more strategic than that. I think we're like very strategic about where we're seeding this. And then, you know, there is a little bit like hope, hope it catches. But again, the pioneers in the space, it's been that they've like spread the word and then it started to catch with a few of those people they spread it out to. And then it just kind of gets enough momentum. It's like a train, like it takes a lot of motion. It takes a lot of energy to get the train going, but once it gets going, it holds the momentum pretty well. For this one, we pulled from episode 12 with Jennifer McKay-Newton, founder and CEO, and Hannah Toproff, social media and marketing coordinator at Define Me Fragrances, a fragrance brand all about bringing out emotions through fragrance. So I began kind of connecting scent to an inspiration or a special, a word or meaning. And so then that that turned into its own line of candles because people really resonated with the, the emotional connection to the candle. The scent is very connected to um, your the limbic system of your brain. When you smell something, it goes directly there, which is the emotional center of your brain. And that's where, um, and at the time there were studies out on it, but it's just kind of starting. Um, and so throughout the years, it's gotten more, you know, more studies are out, um, how scent really does affect you and does connect to well-being. When I look at how you describe Kahana on your site and how I experience it, it is 100% on the mark. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys do an amazing job. Oh, thank you. We also do quizzes and... Like the quiz we have, we've, we've had, I don't know. We've, we'll take it. Yeah. And they're just like, oh my God, that's so true. We put a lot of, a lot of effort into making those quizzes accurate. Like they're fun to take. Mm -hmm. Like everybody loves taking an online quiz, Mm -hmm. but we really put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into being, um, careful with it in the way that like, okay, the, the result that you get, we really want it to reflect what we Mm -hmm. actually think what set we actually think that you're going to enjoy and a lot of people have been like wow this was dead on like you told me I was a an Audrey and I bought Audrey and I love it um, yeah there's very distinct like scents like people like fresh and floral or they're like more spicy mm-hmm. somebody can say oh I don't really I really just don't like scent I like really soft scents I'm like I know which one you're going yeah. like you know it's almost <laughs> an instinct for us yeah um and we have like less than a one percent return rate from our online business, which is- Wow. This next one is from episode 15 with Sergio Tache, founder and CEO of Dossier Perfumes, an affordable perfume brand with luxury scents. Yeah, 
Yeah, that resonates with me a lot because I think you learn so much by talking with other people. And, you know, obviously more senior people, that's great, but also even more junior people. You can always gain something and you never know where the next great piece of advice for your life, for your career is going to come from. Um, and it's all about listening and integrating that and say, okay, that makes sense for me. That maybe makes a little less sense for me. But it's, I think it's tremendously important to, to go through that process. Uh, yes. I always say, I, I think I've been very lucky in my life. Um, but I also think that to some extent I've created my own luck and you create that luck through the conversations you have, uh, the opportunities you see and seizing those opportunities. I'm, I'm a firm believer in what you just, what you just said. Like how do, how do you, yeah. I mean, you, you actually answered a lot of it, but, but, uh, how yeah. do you leverage YouTube and video to like really, yeah. In your marketing and, and drive people to action. Cause I, I feel like the, the. The perfume industry in general has has used that tactic for decades, right? Like Chanel mm. and Dior, right? Whenever you're watching a commercial about a fragrance, it's not really about the fragrance. It's just like mini like soap opera is story that they're telling <laughs> that like evokes yeah. this like feeling or experience. Um, I'm almost wondering, like, is there a new age version of that that you all are doing too that like inspires people to action and it? Yeah, like, I'm curious. Like, what, why do you think video works for you? And and like, what are you doing that you think is working? So I think this goes beyond uh, what you just asked. I, I think it's a super interesting question, and it goes beyond just the influence and marketing part. Just to finish on the influence and marketing side, um, the way we work with them is that there are some some key messages that we want to get across, and we will be very specific about that. But how they get those key messages across depends on them. Uh, they're creators. They know their audience. Um, if you try and script them too much, it's going to feel scripted and it's not going to work. It needs to be their voice transmitting these three key points, whatever those key points are. And I'm, I'm, we're firm believing that. And we work with a variety of influencers. Um, uh, we're, not, we're not very specific in terms of Okay, it needs to be this kind of niche, this kind of atmosphere. Not really. Everybody likes perfume, or at least a lot of people like perfume. Uh, we're very comfortable working with a large uh, variety of influences. Uh, now, going back to what you just said, which is super interesting, um, what kind of message we're trying to convey? And that's something we thought about from the get go. Uh, we always felt that luxury perfumery. Was this very aspirational, uh, inaccessible industry where it's all about the aspiration? You know, the, the typical Dolce Gabbana ad is like some super massy guy with a half naked woman on a beautiful <laughs> beach somewhere and yeah. Dolce Gabbana. <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently, they have a bottle of perfume on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because everybody does that. Um, so that we want to be the opposite of that and by the way don't get me wrong these are fantastic brands where nobody's compared to the chanel's and doshi brands of the world they're extraordinary brands but we wanted to not be that we wanted to be a much more warm accessible brand um there's a big component of education in what everything we try to do so just to give you an example if you look at the names of our products uh it's not like i don't know smoke in the night or whatever crazy name they came up, came up with it's more it's all about the ingredients you know floral marshmallow got it you know uh every single name is constructed with 
the olfactive family, and then the main ingredient, that perfume. Second to last, we have episode 18 with Matt Orlick, founder of Football Supplements. Yeah, I think that is the case for most industries. Um, I think the football market is it's in an infant stage in terms of supplementation. Mm, like, okay, interesting. I don't even know what a carb is. It's extremely fun. And based on, I said, background I have in terms of psychology, stuff like that, when I, when I try and self-analyze why that is and how they can get away with so much, it seems to be in, in all parts of life, the more authentic your day-to-day is, the more the authentic your activities are, the more you get away with in life. Like mm. for them, football became just comes so easy because they just love the game so much that they can kind of afford to eat shit and the body compromises, you know, where in other walks of life, you wouldn't be able to have an office job and, you know, eat the way they do and still perform at the highest level. So they've been able to get away with a lot more than they probably should, but the game's becoming increasingly more demanding and players are catching on that. If they do it right, you know, it can change your performance. So that's going to make yeah, a big difference, I think, in the years to come when people start to realize how important it is. With education, at least from Malomo, like post-purchase, we see a lot of the need for um, educating, obviously, your customer. We've talked about it a lot, your consumer. Um, and so how do you actually roll out those strategies? Like after, say, um, someone is buying from you, like what does the post-purchase journey look like for football subs? Yeah, once they come to the funnel, we're trying to educate them also on the actual specific products and how to use them and at what certain timings, that's probably the, the main focus for us. And also the continual educational process as to new, new findings, new science um, in terms of the landscape of nutrition. And our last feature for the best of 2022 D2C brand conversations is from episode 21 with Luke Kingma, creative director at Board Cow, the leading brand for animal-free dairy milk. To start is explaining what animal-free dairy is and, and why it is. And I think we can, mm-hmm. we'll move into the actual branding decisions from there. But I think as a baseline, you know, animal-free dairy is an oxymoron, you know, up yep. until just, you know, less than 10 years ago, really, anything that was dairy was not animal free. And anything that was animal free was not dairy, right? Those two things were incompatible because dairy has always come from cows, um, as as we all know. Uh, And and so what has changed over the last 10 years is that um, we're actually using a technology that's been around for about 50 years called precision fermentation. Um, And this is a process by which we can teach um, tiny invisible microflora how to ferment different things. Um, you know, 50 years ago, we started to use it to uh, produce insulin. Uh, as most people know, insulin, you know, historically comes from pigs, um, but human insulin, um, which is something that obviously is much more compatible with our bodies, um, is something that we learned to teach microflora how to make. And so, you know, uh, most insulin now is made through this process of precision fermentation. Uh, from there, it was actually cheese making um, that started using precision fermentation. There's an enzyme called rennet um, that traditionally comes from the stomach linings of 
like small cows and other kind of ruminants. Um, mm-hmm. And so now most cheesemakers use precision fermentation to make enzymes without needing to slaughter a baby animal in order to get those enzymes, right? And so love that. <laughs> now we can use it to produce uh, animal proteins uh, for food making. And so um, Perfect Day, uh, who's our, our technology partner with Board Cow, has figured out a way to make um, uh, milk protein, specifically whey protein, uh, which is one of the two main uh, proteins found in cow's milk um, through through fermentation instead of um, by milking a cow. And so, um, you know, and, and then, you know, the follow-up question is always like, why? Why, why are you going <laughs> right. through all of that effort to produce something that already exists? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer, of course, is that, you know, our food system uh, accounts for around one third of global greenhouse gas emissions. Um, it's responsible for up to 80% of the deforestation that's happened over the last century. It's responsible for about 70% of all freshwater withdrawals. And most of that is because of the meat and dairy industry, which is an incredibly energy and resource intensive industry that also produces a lot of emissions and specifically methane. And so, you know, by making milk protein, uh, with microflora, we can generate up to 97% fewer greenhouse gas emissions, use up to 99% less water and up to 60% less non-renewable energy than milk protein that is sourced from cow's milk. Going in, we knew that we wanted to build a nostalgic brand um, that both sort of like harkened back to the golden age of like cereal mascots and like back of the cereal box games and mazes, you know, and things like that, that sort of we grew up with, but also a product that could become in 20 years, the, uh, you know, the brand and the product that today's kids look back on and say, I grew up with Bored Cow and, mm-hmm. and I'm now nostalgic for Bored Cow. And so looking ahead to try to create a brand that is nostalgic in the future um, at the same time. And so um, we knew that we wanted to build this like character-driven, um, immersive brand universe. You know, I, I'm a writer by trade. And so like, I just wanted to make a universe that I could play into, you know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that like, that was something that if you did it the right way, um, that people would fall in love with. And so um, right. worked with manufacturer and they uh, worked with an amazing illustrator named Katie Perez, who uh, drew all of the cow characters and universe herself. We went through a whole bunch of different types of cartoon cows. I could show you like a a deck that we have that's like all the other different types of cow characters that we explored, but it was sort of like the simple round, um, sort of minimalist, you know, quirky cow that I think really sort of like won won all of our hearts. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we, we went with that and then we decided to create archetypes um, based on, you know, the story of Bored Cow is that for 10,000 years, cows have been working for us. Um, These days, they're working in factory farms, producing milk for us. You know, they're spending very little time outside, very little time with their calves. And we think that's wrong. We think that's sad. And we believe cows should be free to do whatever they want. We believe that cows should be bored. We think that bored cows are happier cows. And so, you know, we've sort of taken that idea and, and run with it. And so we started to think about like, what would cows do if um, they had all the free time in the world? And then we asked ourselves that question, you know, 
what would we do if we had all the free time right. in the world? What did we <laughs> want to be when we grew up? And it was, you know, things like I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be, you know, a rock star. I wanted to be uh, a, a professional skateboarder. And we're like, well, let's just like match those up. Let's make the cows sort of extensions of our yeah. inner inner <laughs> child, you know?